It is good to see all of you out this morning, and we're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for today continues our series on marriages of the Bible, lessons learned from them. Our story today is the story of Abraham and Sarah. Interestingly enough, we had a, a great deal about Abraham in our Bible class, and none of it has anything to do with the lesson today. So uh, we'll get a double dose of Abraham. But there are two main things, and we'll look at both of those today. But Abraham is, a well, is well known for his faithfulness to God. And through all of their trials, Sarah was almost always by his side. They trusted the promises of God, faithfully going wherever God told them to go. They were willing to sacrifice their, the only son born to them when God commanded it. And they were faithful to God and to one another until death parted them. The greatest lesson to be learned from the marriage of Sarah and Abraham is faithfulness and submission. Our lesson objective for this morning is to learn how God desires that faithfulness and submission should be in our lives and in our marriages today. We're going to begin with the idea of faithfulness and certainly how it is presented in the lives of Abraham and Sarah. We see that on many occasions they were faithful to God. We're going to begin our story in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12 we see that Abram at the time, as that was his name, he is told to leave his home country. And in Genesis chapter 12, beginning with verse 9, we read this. Now the Lord had said to Abram, to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, <clears throat> To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. We'll stop there. We see here that both Abram and Sarai left 
Haran together. As a married couple should. They went, Sarai went where Abram did. And so they went together. Bringing along their nephew Lot all of their possessions that they had acquired. Though God promised to give Canaan to Abram's descendants, fulfillment of this promise would be found much later in history. Abram and Sarai were able to live in Canaan for a time, though much would happen in between their time there and their descendants' inheritance of it. Their return is found in chapter 13. As we move on in our story, we see that, that God has made a promise to Abram and Sarai. In Genesis chapter 15, we read this in verses 1 through 6. Genesis, Genesis 15 verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you were able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. I had a lot of fond memories of teaching classes, and one of the classes that I taught at Science Hill, it was uh, during VBS, I believe it was, and it was at night, and we were talking about Abraham and, and the promise that was made to him regarding his descendants. I took him outside. We looked up into the sky and asked them to, to count the stars. And of course they couldn't do it. And it was one of the things that, that God had told Abram here is that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. You, you won't be able to count them. God made this promise to both Abram and Sarai. God also fulfilled this promise despite their occasional interference. Abram had thought that Eliezer should be his heir because he was the eldest servant. And, well, if you can't have children, then that's got to be the heir, right? No. Sarai tried to have a son through Hagar, her maidservant, or to allow Abram to have a son through her. But Ishmael was not to be an heir. And we see as the story continues that the relationship between the three became strained. In chapters 17 and 18, they both laughed at the absurdity of bearing children in their old age. Yet they continued to trust in God's promises. Thank God has a sense of humor. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 and 12 says this. 
by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky, and multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. And as God had promised them, so he was faithful to his promise. And we see that Isaac was born. Genesis 21 verses 1 through 7. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? I have borne him a son in his old age. They trusted God. God provided just as he said he would. He provided them a son. Even though Abraham is mentioned here as good as dead. Genesis 22, we come to another pivotal point in the story of Abraham and Sarah. When God told Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Abraham obeyed. Genesis 22, beginning with verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. Keep that in mind. Exactly what he said there. We We'll come back to you. Verse 6, So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father! And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb 
for a burnt offering. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Now we're not exactly sure exactly how old Isaac was at this point. Some suggest that he may have been in his late teens or early 20s even. And we wonder how Isaac must have felt when he looked around, when he realized that there was no sacrifice. But though she is not mentioned very much here in this chapter, I wonder, did Sarah realize what was happening when Abraham and Isaac left with supplies to offer a sacrifice, but no sacrifice? I wonder if she was included in this plan, even though we don't know that for sure. We can only speculate. I have a feeling Sarah knew something more than what we realize. And that she was greatly affected by this as well. Maybe it was a conversation that they had. Maybe Abraham assured her that he would bring Isaac back with him. No, no. But certainly Abraham trusted that God would have a plan. A way of preserving his son. Notice what is said in Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Remember that we read in, in Genesis that Abraham was as good as dead and yet he was granted a son. Here it is mentioned again. He had received him from a standpoint that, that he was as good as dead. And if God was able to provide a son for him who was good as, as good as dead, he must be able to raise him up also. Abraham trusted God. And God certainly didn't let him down. Isaac's life was spared. And all those promises that God had made regarding the descendants of Abraham through Isaac were fulfilled. But faithfulness is not the only thing that we see in the story of Abraham and Sarah. There's something else that stands out to me as we read this story. And something that is very important. Something that we touched on last week a little bit in the story of Adam and Eve. Submission. Remember that when Adam and Eve were placed together. That Adam was given leadership in his home. He, he was to rule his home in, in a good way. And his wife was to be submissive 
We see submission in the story of Abraham and Sarah also. And many people get offended by this and I'm not exactly sure why. But this is a, a very important thing in this story. So let's spend a, a little bit of time on Sarah's submission to Abraham. First of all, notice how Sarah refers to Abraham. And it may not be the way that Cindy refers to Kirk or that Rosie refers to Hugh or that my wife refers to me. But this is the way she refers to Abraham. Genesis chapter 18, verse 12. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? Husbands, do any of your wives ever refer to you as their Lord? <laughs> no. But there is something that we notice here. It's something that I think is important and that I think is applicable to our marriages today. Sarah saw Abraham as a leader of their family. She had a great deal of respect for him in that way. As she should. Paul even commanded submission in marriage. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. This is not an outdated idea, but it's what God truly wants a marriage to be like. If we want to have a marriage like God planned for marriage to be, then this is part of it. You see, men are given responsibility in their homes. Men are given the responsibility to be the leaders, to be the head of the home. That's what God desires in marriage. I've seen many marriages that, that work in the opposite way. Men are, are not the leaders at all in their home, but the wives take full leadership. But that's not what God wanted when He designed marriage. He designed it with the man as the leader of the home. He has a responsibility. And it's not as much about wives being submissive to their husbands as, as it is husbands stepping up and taking the responsibility that is rightfully theirs, not leaving everything to the wife. Men are not to allow their wives to do everything for them, but must fulfill their responsibility in the home as it is given by God. And I think there is some leeway in, in how the relationship works. There are some things that Marissa and I do differently from some of you. But ultimately, the husband is to be the head of the home. 
And Abraham sets a very good example in, in his leadership. Abraham led his family in faithfulness to God as we as husbands are to do for our wives and for our families. Many times Sarah submitted to Abraham's leadership in what we've already looked at today in their, their faithfulness to God and leaving Haran and, and entrusting God's promises and sacrificing Isaac. We see that, that she fully relied on her husband in those instances. <clears throat> when giving Hagar to Abraham as a wife, she sought his approval in the matter first. And though their ideas were not always best, it was Abraham who made the final decision in all matters. She looked to him for leadership. Even when Abraham made the wrong decision, Sarah stood by him. In Genesis chapter 12, we read this in verses 14 through 20. So it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. Sarah must have been a very, very beautiful woman because even in her older years she was seen by other people as beautiful. In verse 15, the princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. In verse 17, But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now therefore, here's your wife. Take her, go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. She could have resisted. She could have stood up to Abram. But she trusted his leadership. Maybe there's something more there that, that we don't quite understand as far as her thinking. But she relied on the decision of her husband. Abraham, Abraham was wrong to lie even if it was only a half-truth or a half-lie. It was still a lie. He still made the wrong decision. He should have trusted God but we find that, that she trusted Abraham. Sarah also held responsibility in this matter. Maybe because she didn't stand up to Abraham as she could have. Look at Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. We read there that, that she was struck dead because she went along with her husband. She held responsibility just as much as he did for making the decision that they made. I believe here that Sarah also held some responsibility. But we see her submission 
We see that despite making the wrong decision, that God led them through it. He still looked at Abraham and Sarah as faithful. Unfortunately, their mistake was repeated in Genesis chapter 20 with Abimelech, the king of Gerar, did almost the exact same thing. And still, Sarah was in submission to her husband. As Sarah submitted to her husband, Abraham submitted to God. And that's the structure of the home. You see, wives are to look to their husbands as their husbands look to Christ. That may not always be possible in a marriage, depending on the situation. But wives are to respect the decisions of their husbands as their husbands respect the decisions of God. Together they went where God told them, always trusting Him to provide whatever they needed. And certainly as we look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, we see that there is much, much that can be learned from their example. We see many parallels in their lives to the way that God wants a marriage to be today. And looking at their faithfulness, we see many parallels between their lives of faithfulness to God and the way that we should live to God. We should always trust God. Always trust His leadership. He leads us through His Word and so we study it and so we understand it and so we follow it. Just as, as Abraham is said to have obeyed God. Remember going back to Genesis chapter 12 and, and from the very first when God told him to leave it says that Abraham obeyed just as God had told him. And so we are to obey just as God has told us. That goes for everything in regard to the plan of salvation. God has told us what He wants us to do to obey the gospel. Hearing, believing, repenting, confessing Christ, being baptized for the remission of sins, all of those things are the beginnings of our faithfulness. And just as Abraham did, when we are told to do these things, don't question them. Just obey God as He wants you to. And when it comes to continued faithfulness throughout life, follow just as God wants you to. God wants us to remain faithful to Him, to sacrifice ourselves for His purposes. And as God desires that of us, we follow, we obey. I hope this lesson has been helpful in more ways than one. But certainly, if you have any need in your life, if you need to come to Christ in obedience, or if you need to come in repentance, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for prayer, if there is some way that, that we as your church family can help you, 
We'll be glad to do so. Together we stand and as we sing.